building a better and inclusive society. And you can't have a feminist perspective without all women and so without all aspects And firmly, I asked him to let me speak. A few days ago, while scrolling on Instagram, I came across this video that detailed a social experiment in which boys and girls between the ages of five and six were given a fake casting for a yogurt commercial. Without being told, the yogurt had been salted. The boys, without any exception, made a disgusted face in front of the camera because the yogurt was unappetizing. The girls, on the other hand, pretended to like it. They had already internalized their role in society as the one who pleases others. Don't be spontaneous, think of others before yourself, eat and smile. After watching this video, I was mortified. How can we break down the place of women when girls unconsciously put themselves into these boxes at such a young age? And this pleaser behavior is only the result of education, society, and socialization. At 17, I wanted to change something. I wanted to free girls and women from these boxes that have been constraining them for so many years. Hi, I'm Lena, and welcome to Fighters, my podcast that showcases the power of women and the strength that comes from it. Throughout this series, we will debunk traditional gender roles and share inspiring thoughts. To accomplish this, I plan to have discussions with the most courageous and resilient women in various professional domains. Hello, everyone. I am thrilled to welcome our guest today, Sarah Ben Smida, who works for UNICEF with an impressive background. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Lina. Thank you for having me. So can you present yourself very quickly and describe the person you are today and your occupation? Well, I am Sarah. I am a French and Tunisian citizen. And I would describe myself as a passionate feminist and health advocate. I am currently working as a mental health advocacy and program officer with UNICEF France. But I also do volunteer activities, for example, feminist um, organization working on health, but also um, Muslim feminist uh, activists who are very involved in, I would say, different events and activities, including advocacy. Can you recall a moment where you witnessed in your childhood a situation regarding gender inequality? Well, I, I don't have a specific situation, but maybe I just realized very quickly how strong we are and uh, I also realized that people wouldn't agree on um, having a specific attention, for example, on our, our basic needs. And uh, I would say that I grew up with very inspir inspirational people and uh, most of those people were women, uh, including in my family. And, and what I really noticed is that 
our specific needs uh, were very often um, considered as, let's say, a secondary topic, and uh, that the mainstream options were basically sought by men, for men. And so that's what I noticed, including in France or in Tunisia, mm -hmm. it was the same situation but with different aspects but I didn't suffer a lot from about these gender inequalities because I was very well surrounded but yes I, I sometimes I I try to say that I grew up with this anger but also with this trains to to fight for our rights you grew up in a very multicultural environment. You are Tunisian, you live in France, and you studied in Spain and Ireland. And recently I watched your TED Talk in French entitled Why the Obvious Does Not Exist. What have you gained from all of these experiences? The fact that I grew up in a very multicultural environment has always been something very important for me, especially when it comes to look for a job or to, I would say, give my time and my energy to one specific organization or including for to people. <laughs> because I realized that, first of all, we do have the same basic needs. And uh, we all want the same, like we want to be happy, we want to be loved, we all have this sense of community. So this is what I really understand with my, my family, for example. And it also allowed me to be very flexible. And it's something that is very important, especially when you're working or involved in, let's say, uh, NGOs or civil society organizations, because you, you always have to be flexible with what you need, with what people will expect from you. And so you always have to adjust your messages. And so for me, it was very important, for example, to live in different countries and learn different languages. Because first of all, I, I wanted to be an interpreter before working on the advocacy and policy um, activities that I have today. I was very into discovering new cultures also to know them, to better understand what is for example, apart from languages and what we can communicate um, as also, let's say, uh, activists for gender equality. And, and thanks to all that experience, I had the opportunity to know the difference between, let's say, a feminist movement, what are the priorities for those women in this country, what is very important in the way they want to act because we all have different priorities and we all have different objectives that we want concretely to improve our lives, of course. But the way we do it is obviously based on our feelings, our cultural, let's say, background. And so it's very important. The more you know about those cultures, the better you will be in your messages and, and you will have a stronger impact. Yeah. Recently, I learned about the new term intersectional feminism, which is a more inclusive concept that holds significance in today's society. It takes into account the diverse needs of women, 
based on factors such as ethnicity and age. I've heard that to identify yourself as an intersectional feminist, could you explain this subdivision of feminism? Well, I would say intersectional feminism is the answer that we all need to grow up and to become, let's say, a more inclusive and respectful society for everybody because it means when it comes to consider my life or your life, we always have to bear in mind that, for example, you are a woman, but you are not only a woman, like you are a white or black or whatever, like you have all this aspect of your life who will have an impact on your daily life, but also on your work, on your, um, your self-confidence and your fight, etc. And so today I can describe myself as a French, Tunisian, woman, Muslim, uh, believer, feminist activist, intersectional feminist activist, etc. And every aspect of my daily life has an impact of my vision of the world, let's say, and how also people would perceive me and and it also had an impact on the discrimination that I could potentially suffer from. And so it's, let's say, a priority to have all of those aspects in mind when it comes to building something for our society and building a better and inclusive society. For me, it's a must and uh, and you can't have a feminist perspective without uh, without all women and so without all aspects who have an impact on our daily life let's say so you uh, you did a lot of volunteering when you were young and still today what is your motivation to dedicate your time for others I think I really grew up with my volunteering activities and I met very um, strong women but also I discovered how strong I can be and uh, that we are always smarter and stronger than we think. Um, it was also very important for me to meet new friends and to discover also what I really like, where I want to spend my life with and, and with who I want to spend my life, basically. Um, it's, uh, it's also a safe space for me to volunteer in some specific organization. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, it's a pleasure also to contribute and to give my energy to organizations or collective or and it can be also a formal collective, let's say group. Um, that that will help me also to grow as a person. So it was the first step to discover also that I really want to work on the advocacy and policy part. But it was a very, let's say, a, a long term, a long process, a long term process that have consequences also and uh, ex helped me to become the, the woman that I am today here. Yeah. Considering your remarkable journey, have you ever encountered discrimination or experienced patronization due to your gender or your age? Because we live in a society where the perspectives of the younger generation 
are often disregarded under the assumption that we are less serious or that we cannot understand a specific situation. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, I have many examples of situations or comments that were sexist, misogynistic, and also based on my supposed age, because sometimes people don't even try to ask your age. They just assume you're very young and that you you can't be the expert uh, they invited to the to this table, for example. Um, when it comes to example, well, actually last week, while I was presented a report I contributed to in front of, let's say, around a thousand people of people during a national scientific conference. And at, at some point while I was presenting, there was this person. Do, do I really need to say it was a uh, white man in his uh, 60s, let's say? And he really interrupted me when we were giving a microphone to ask questions, you know, so I was basically on the stage and this guy interrupted me because he disagreed with what I was saying. And so it was a violent scene, of course, but I also spoke up again, you know, and firmly I asked him to let me speak because I was basically the one invited to contribute to this conference, you know. So this is a type of example you can face in your daily work. Uh, another example was also with this report. Um, someone told me, oh, you, you're very lucky that your NGO or your, your uh, organization sent you to present the report. And I was like, why do you imagine that I am lucky in this situation? Like, who should it be to present this report since I wrote it, you know? And people would need time just to realize that they had the expert who really contributed to this report and who was involved, you know, in every part of it. And so sometimes I think like people need time to realize that time let's say time have changed yes but also that you have experts who can be young people you have experts who can be women of course and you just need to realize that you appreciate it or not but you appreciate it what they bring to your conversation so you just be focused on what they said you know and not who you think they are but when you have something to say people will ask you to justify your legitimacy or yourself and you can lead an impossible life with this so i don't justify myself anymore and i just remain focused on what interests me and if you don't want to talk about the topic i mentioned in my presentation then i don't have time for this yeah that's truly terrible especially considering that you were the one who presented the report and you were the expert providing the lecture and the fact that this man came to you to listen to your expertise and displayed such a disrespectful attitude is i'm sincerely sorry that you had to endure such a rude behavior yeah but you know what what is very also um, unacceptable is that now that we are two women talking, 
you would be the one saying that you are sorry for me. And that's also one part of the problem. Like, we don't need to give them the attention they want to have, because for me, there was no space for his question. There was no space for his speech, you know? So I just firmly asked him to let me speak. And then I was still focused on what I had to say, you know? And I didn't want to give him more attention or time. Yeah, it was very important for me. Otherwise, you wouldn't do anything and you would just stop from the first sexist comment you have on your work, basically. That's really courageous of you to have said that in front of a thousand people. Talking about our society, we often talk about the consequences of COVID-19 on our economy, on our health system. Can you talk about the report that you did on the consequences of this pandemic on gender inequality? One aspect that really was important in my career also was the the beginning of the the COVID-19 pandemic because I was working as a, an advocacy officer on sexual and reproductive health rights of uh, women and girls in France and in also West African countries. And so I really realized that we were affected by a strong backlash against um, women and girls' rights. Um, those rights became, you know, a secondary element um, in comparison to the emergency we were facing with the COVID-19 um, pandemic. But it was really the, um, the worst uh, option we had. And we really took it. Um, Gender-based violence uh, has exploded during um, the pandemic. And we already knew that it would happen because we had already experienced, for example, this phenomenon during epidemics of other, other viruses like Ebola, Zika, etc. So the violence is systemic and deserves uh, a global uh, coordinated response and uh, media coverage to also measure the importance that our lives were at risk, you know? So this was very important in my work because we had to start again to explain again, to justify again why defending those, for example, sexual and reproductive rights were important, were fundamental, were crucial, etc. And today we, we can also see that this backlash is very systemic and it's not only about some specific country, like it's a global trend we can observe also. And, and that's why also you always have to be ready, let's say, to, to start again and to be innovative and to, to find also your own strengths to keep fighting on, on those issues and on those rights because women and girls will always be considered as, let's say, a, a minority but we are not. And that's also something that you can have on your daily work, like asking for being considered as a part of 
our society and not a minority that represent half of the world population, you know. So these were examples of situation we were working on and especially on health aspect. I won't comment uh, every backlash uh, aspect we can face in, in the media and in every country, but when we talk about the, the US, uh, um, Poland, South Korea, Pakistan, Afghanistan, but even in also in France, we, we saw that uh, importance of uh, anti-sexual uh, anti and reproductive rights uh, activists, they are becoming more and more influenced. So, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a global trend, and it needs a global uh, response. Yeah. Is there one major issue that we should focus on? For example, education, health care that will reduce the gap of uh, gender inequality. I would say everything is very linked, so you can't really choose one specific topic i mean you can't you can choose one specific topic um to have your energy focused on you know as a person but everything is very linked and um when it comes to reacting to this backlash let's say uh we need everybody on board and we need every aspect to be considered like uh Today, the, I think the UN is uh, is working also on, um, uh, let's say, uh, estimate how many years we would need to end this gender gap, and uh, it's more than two hundred of years, two hundred years, you know. So it's not even a human perspective that we can have on that. There is no country, no state, no region where you have women and girls' rights who are truly respected. So it, it's a global but also coordinated response that we need to involve every type of actors, states, but also civil society organization, people, let's say, who are working on the ground, social worker, education, health, like it, it's a global response, but coordinated response that is needed. I've been working on health issues, but I wouldn't say there is one aspect um, who should be prioritized when it comes to improving and respecting women and girls' life. And why did you choose health uh, as your main topic to focus on? Mm, it's a good question. Actually, I think I chose health because I had the opportunity to work with sexual and reproductive activists in France, but also abroad. So in Tunisia, but also in Ireland and in Spain. And I started um, I started this activities as a feminist, uh, uh, for example, participating to events, um, reading a lot, also hearing a lot from different activists. And uh, I was really aware that um, let's say um, 
our intimacy, our political, because everything is political, of course, but our intimacy is political. And when it comes to sexual and reproductive rights, we sometimes have the, let's say, the habit to say, oh, it's something related to our privacy or intimacy, but actually it's not when it comes to considering that every woman should have the right to control to to control her body etc you know so i think my my first experience was really important to me and uh, helped me to then focus on mental health for example because there is a link between what we would see as a physical and mental health everything is linked basically so it was really an ongoing process and uh, I was really happy doing that. So yeah, it was step by step. I wanted to stay uh, involved on that health advocacy. And do you have like one moment uh, of your career where you felt really proud of you, really powerful because you achieved your goals and you really succeeded? When it comes to, let's say, feminist uh, goals or um, I had because I have two examples to give you I have one example which is very linked to my personal life experience and one which which is more about let's say uh, my professional experience but um, again when you have this strong commitment for women to be equal to anyone else and women to be free and women to be respected etc you you have to start with your own life experience and so what I am really proud of is that I dare to to for example to overcome very stressful situation and I'm also very proud that for example I left an abusive relationship uh, and I had the, the opportunity to reconnect myself and build uh, strong boundaries also to, to protect myself so this is the kind of example in your daily life that you can be very proud of and it's it's also in a feminist approach you know because you can't be focused on girls and women from other countries or your friends or your family if you don't even start with your own life and mm-hmm. you really have to also listen to what you what is important to you and you have to I mean you have to it can be hard but it's important also to listen to your basic needs if you also want to have other women for example mm. so this is one example the one another another example uh, maybe my let's say my uh, activities uh, i'm really proud i contributed to the launch of a feminist uh, um, festival organized with uh, Muslim feminist activist in France. Uh, it was a very important moment for me this year because we were all gathered around this uh, objective to have a, an inclusive feminist uh, festival with musicians, with uh, 
also activists from very different backgrounds and uh, it's also creating those moments which is political but also very personal um otherwise i also feel like my work as an advocacy officer is something that is very linked to my values and how i would like to change the world and say it so every day i'm really proud to contribute to that yeah you you don't choose that kind of work or of jobs just because uh, you had the opportunity i think it's also something very linked to your personal views so mm -hmm. yeah if you could change one aspect of our society, what would you change? What I would change? Um, I will start with um, always taking into consideration the first person who should be considered when we are making global decisions, I would say. Um, when it comes, for example, to decision who will have impact on women's life, I, I would like to always have women on the table. And if it's about black women, then have black women on the table. You know, having this habit and basic rule, let's say, to always include people who are the most affected, the most constant considered in in every decision and one uh, other aspect would be to to give um, more self-esteem to every little girl because we are always stronger than we think and um, and that also we we don't have to talk about ourselves just because people don't expect us to be that smart or that intelligent you know yeah i would give more power also to everybody that's really nice of you and i feel the same thing because you know when we are little girls we have to struggle with the point of view of other people the perspective of others that want to put you in these boxes and we can see that, for example, in toys, in such a young age, you can see you can see it in the supermarket when you go shopping. There are only two aisles, the blue one and the pink one. And directly in uh, your childhood, you're already separated in a specific category. And this sets boundaries already in our head in such a young age. And I think that it's really important for people to know that whatever your gender, whatever your age, you are allowed to achieve whatever you want, whatever your goals are. And it's really important to know that. And once we know this, we dare to accomplish things. Yeah, yeah and that, that we are enough also, that we are smart, that we don't have to improve ourselves this is something that we can hear sometimes i need to improve this or that no you you don't have to improve yourself you you just have to to know what is important for you you have to know your own boundaries you have to build your own boundaries and uh, you basically have everything you need inside of you so you're important and you don't need let's say 
external validation. So yeah, I think it's very important to to have this in mind and to to grow up also with the and be surrounded with people who can inspire you because today you are getting inspired by someone, but tomorrow you'll be the one who will inspire other. And that's also the beauty, let's say, the beauty of life. But yeah, it's important to have it in mind also. What would be the message that you would spread to uh, people listening to us that would uh, volunteer, dedicate their time for a cause? which are uh, dear to their hearts, what, what would be your message for them? I would say you are powerful. Um, I would say you are enough. I would say uh, you are important. I would say um, take yourself seriously. It's important. Um, take your mental health and your well-being seriously. And uh, if you think you have one specific project to do, if you think you have one specific idea, if you think you have one dream, then uh, you you can, I would say you can do it, of course, and it's, it's something that we can really hear everywhere, but it's also that you can be the person who will have this idea and will do his or her best, especially her best, to achieve her, her her goal and to make her dream come true. And it's not something that you will do um, with the support or, I don't know, external validation or specific people, etc. First of all, it comes from you. And uh, I would say that if you have your own values and your own boundaries and if you're at peace with yourself you will be so much powerful and you will be so much creative and you will be so much stronger etc so i would say take yourself seriously and uh, the rest will be maybe easier i wouldn't i don't want to say something very you know uh basic in a way that of course you will have to work of course it's easier for some people etc but being at, at peace with yourself and taking yourself seriously is one huge step and maybe another message and a quick message that i already said but it's you already have everything you need inside of you and i would say that's the greatest lesson we can learn as women also that because people will always ask us something or would sometimes convince us that we don't, but we do have everything we need inside of, it, of us, so yeah. Now we are going to move on to the introspection of our guest. Can you describe the women you are today using only three words? Okay, three words, I would say passionate, feminist and believer. Can you fill in this sentence? I am proud to be a woman because. I am proud to be a woman because women have always inspired me and uh, I hope to inspire others in return. And I am proud to be a woman because 
we are giving us so much love that we can really change our daily lives and also change the world. Thank you, Sarah, for joining me today. Thank you to all my listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I will see you soon for some new content. If you don't want to miss any of our episodes, you can also find us on our Instagram account at Fighters Podcast. Bye.